Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applications applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Wednesday, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you, back in the producer chair. Thanks to Mark Stevens for helping me out yesterday while I was up in Luzerne County covering the vice president in the region. Good to be back here in the producer chair. Steve will join us soon from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And apparently, I missed a lot on the sports side of things yesterday with... The bombshell out of nowhere with President Trump talking with Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren about trying to get the Big Ten football season started. And as you heard in the Dan Patrick show earlier today here on WKOK, it looks like that the Big Ten is trying to maybe start October 10th. That's the magic date we're hearing. We'll see if Steve happens to have anything new on that. Okay, so... Yeah, there we go. My, apo- my, my apologies. No, my that my apologies. I was being interviewed by Audrey Snyder of the Athletic. Uh, the article is, "What are you going to do Saturday?" <laughs> ah, you would be a good person to talk to about that. Well, she said, "What are you going to do?" I said, "Well, I said we finally had rain in Center County, so I'll cut my lawn." I said, "There's some stuff in the yard. I got to get out of here and take over to the transfer station." I said, then, I said, I'll sit down at 7 o'clock and watch the Kentucky Derby, which on September 5th I never thought I'd be doing. <laughs> and then I'll watch, and Memphis is the primetime football game at 8 o'clock, and I'll, you know, I'll watch that, too. They're playing Arkansas State. I said, so that's my Saturday in a nutshell. There you go. <laughs> that's what I, that's, so now I don't want to take away from her article because she's interviewing other people as well about this. So. <laughs> Yeah, but Which would be an interesting read, then. Yes. 
Uh, got a note here from the vice president. Really, he seems to like you. <laughs> I'm flattered. That's that's terrific. Um, so maybe October 10th, huh? That's what I missed yesterday. Oh, we don't know. We <laughs> maybe. Know we... Okay. Well, okay. Can I start with this? Uh, let, let me start with this. I'll do this in three parts. Let me do the Penn State COVID testing first, athletics. Follow that with basketball, and follow that with because basketball affects Bucknell. And then I'll do the last part football here in the open, okay? So let's do that in that order. So let's get to the testing part first. Penn State conducted 222 tests between April, uh, August 24th and August 28th, which is last Friday. Out of the 222 tests that were conducted, there was one positive. That's it. One. All right? One positive. 222 tests, one positive. That's terrific news. Next result comes out in two weeks. All right? So that's one. Now let's get to the basketball part. When might basketball start? Last Thursday, now this, what I'm about to, if you're a regular listener to the show, as a regular listener to the show, I'm covering some ground that we've already covered, but we're always trying to update. As we told you last week, there were four options on the table. We outlined the four options for you. Uh, we then also told you that the NABC on the men's side would be in a conference call with the NCAA and others on Thursday and women's basketball on Friday. It now appears that the leader in the clubhouse is November 25th, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, to start the college basketball season. Two weeks from today is September 16th. September 16th is the date that the NCAA will put out what they intend to do. That key is intend. This is what the NCAA intends to do. They're going to put that out two weeks from today. They have also built in October 13, 14 as a day to possibly tweak if they have to. All right? The leader in the clubhouse is November 25th, the day before Thanksgiving. And that would mean practice would start on October 13, 14. There were those on the call especially among the coaches that lobbied very hard for um, the normal start time of September 29th practice, November 10th. But it looks like in the end, November 25th is going to be the one that wins out, in part probably because the students on most campuses will be away from campus at that time. Even the Pac-12, which has said they would not have any athletic activity of any kind until January 1st, may acquiesce. And if they don't start November 25th, they may want to start December 4th, the Pac-12. So that's the basketball component of what I know to this point. Now let's get to football on October 10th. So let's start with this. As heard on this station yesterday and then reiterated on this station earlier today on the Dan Patrick Show about the October 10th date being bandied about. 
let's start with this. Why I've I have for the most part stayed away from speculation on any of this, as you know. But I will talk about this for this particular reason. Number one, Dan Patrick has a great track record. That's one. Number two, the source that Dan Patrick used is also the exact source that said that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 might not play this fall. It received a little bit, little bit of blowback at the time. There was a 24-hour gap where there was no decision announced. Uh, many went on shows, including James Franklin, lobbying to play in the fall. The players were doing hashtag, I want a player, we want to play. Parents were writing letters during that period of time as well. Source stuck to his guns. Source ended up being right. Because the source was right on a critical story, and this same source is being used again, that opens the door for us to at least have a conversation about it as to why October 10th could make sense, but that doesn't mean they're going to do it. But... So we have to be cautious about that. But we're talking about it because the source has already proven the accuracy of his information, and we know it's a him because that's I'm using Dan Patrick's words. We know that the source has been accurate on a big story, not something small like, hey, by the way. And you're like, okay, that's nice. Why October 10th? October 10th is probably the latest date you can start and still be eligible for the college football playoff. It's as simple as that. Can you get... Okay, now let's get to better medical protocols and testing. It's interesting that I saw... in. Someone described the president's phone call to Kevin Warren as, quote, surreal. Now, I'm not going to get political here at all. That's not, that's not what I do on this show. On the mark is here every day, and they do a brilliant job with it. So I'm not being political here. But the call is not surreal in any way, shape, or form, because what was part of the substance of that call that's been put out? Part of the substance of that call put out from the president's side to the commissioner was that the White House has bought 150 million of these rapid saliva tests. Where you swab, instead of using the swab up the nose that goes up near the brain cavity, you swab the cheek. Fifteen minutes later, you have the result. And the cost of the test is about $5. Big Ten Athletics being offered up these tests, obviously not all $150 million, but the White House is offering this as, hey, look, we've got this for you. Okay, That becomes at least an important piece of information delivered by the president to the commissioner that the commissioner should have at his disposal. 
right? So that call is not surreal. That call did contain relevant information that the Big Ten should at least know about. Now, if it changes their mind, that's that's a different. But testing is certainly one of the elements in the commissioner's letter that was pointed out. That's why that part of the phone call was important. Okay. What about myocarditis? Jack and I talked about this for about a half hour this morning. They have said that anywhere to, what, 10 to 15 student-athletes in the Big Ten have been found to have myocarditis. Now, myocarditis sounds on the surface like it's a death sentence, right? And you almost feel in some ways it's been portrayed that way. Can you die from it? Yes. Yes. Uh, Do you usually die from it? No. Fewer than 200,000 people a year get myocarditis. And as we've pointed out a thousand times already in the past couple of weeks, three weeks, how you can get it. You can get it from COVID-19, no question. You can get it from Lyme disease. You can get it from West Nile. You can get it from hepatitis. You can get it... Okay, from herpes. You can get it from influenza A, B, or the common cold. I mean, there's a long list. It's viral. Okay? And you can get it from Lyme disease. A friend of mine, a friend of mine experienced heart trouble, and they, they, it took a long time, but they finally figured out he had Lyme disease. It, it took a long time to figure it out. And, in fact, I had two friends, right? This is a couple of years ago. And she had, it took a while, they figured out she had Lyme disease. And then this guy, he had Lyme disease. And they both experienced weakened hearts. Then when they got on the proper medication, got back on track, hearts are fine now. That's why when Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox, they said he has myocarditis, they wanted to check and see how he was in three weeks. Well, that the reason is, is that a lot of times in three weeks it clears up once you're being treated. Sometimes it can take up to six months. Can there be permanent damage? Like anything, yes, you can have permanent damage. Like anything. Can it cause death? Yes, it can. But it's a very tiny percentage. If you're informed, you can talk about these things. And this is what, when they talk about medical protocols in the Big Ten, the fact that they've found, quote, 10 to 15 different individuals in the Big Ten with myocarditis as an offshoot of COVID-19, that actually should tell you the opposite of what they're telling you. That should tell you that, tells me, I've got greater confidence in my medical people. They found it. They didn't wait for somebody to, oh, my goodness, what happened to X? What happened to Y? I can't believe this. Oh, they have myocarditis? No. they The doctors, the medical personnel in this conference are good enough where they found it, and now each one of those individuals is receiving treatment, the proper treatment. So actually, to me, that shows you the confidence you should have in your medical personnel to begin with. 
The testing numbers we saw today from Penn State, 222 with one positive, shows that your protocols are working. And if this rapid saliva test is what they say it is, and they claim it's 85 to 92% correct, that's that's another one that's a very important step in all of this. Now, for all we know, for all we know, the October 10th start date hasn't even been put on the table by anybody. For all we know, it hasn't. Or maybe it has. Maybe the earliest start date they're talking about is November 25th. But can you ramp up in time to play? Well, Penn State's practiced each of the last two days. They practiced Monday and Tuesday. They've been going through strength and conditioning since June. They've already had 10 walkthroughs, four preseason practices, and two skill improvement practices. So that's 16 to go with their continued strength and conditioning and meetings. It would take them about three to three and a half weeks to ramp up and play a game, in my opinion, because they're that far ahead. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory. Fabulous pre-owned inventory. And they go through that pre-owned inventory with a fine-tooth comb. Sales, terrific. They really work with you. Your budget means everything to them. Look, they want you as a repeat customer. You know, that's their goal. They want to be so good at what they do. They want you to be a repeat customer. And they have a lot of repeat customers because they're, they're really good at what they do, and they're really good at what they do because they care about you. And the service department's terrific, too. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Now, again, one other note in the Big Ten. For all we know, an October 10th start date in these Zoom calls, and Sandy Barber's a part of this committee, for all we know, it hasn't even been broached. There may have never been a sentence uttered about it. Or... Maybe they have. Don't know. Maybe the earliest they've talked is November 25th. Maybe the earliest they've talked is January. Don't know. Uh, Sandy Barber will be on the Penn State Coaches Show featuring James Franklin tomorrow evening at 6.05. And, yes, featuring James Franklin means James will be on the show as well. Okay? Sandy will be on at 6.10, James at 6.30. I have that in good authority. That's one I don't have to go to the source for. I don't need any sourcing on that. <laughs> I get an email. <laughs> Steve, this is who you have. All right. Barry Abram joins us from ESPN. We're going to believe it or not, can you believe that in the first Saturday in September, we're talking about the Kentucky Derby. Barry, welcome. Great to have you with us. 
that. I mean, I've been doing this all summer, Steve, ever since the announcement came on March 17th during the height of the pandemic, and I still have to tell myself it's September and I'm talking about the Kentucky Derby. Like, it's hard to believe. Uh, It's all surreal, as you and I both know. Here's the other part. When it's not just going into the Derby. But when there are triple crown races, it's done in a span of five weeks. The Belmont was in June. Normally, when we go from race one to race two, many times, not often, but many times, the Derby winner comes right back and then wins the Preakness. Happens enough. What does this gap mean to that theory? I think it actually makes the triple crown harder to win because, you know, horses nowadays don't run three times in five weeks. They run once every four to six weeks. So typically now, I mean, and so you might ask, well, why don't we just change the Triple Crown in general? Well, if you've been around this sport enough to, (laughs) you know that change does not come easy around here. No. That's just the way it is. So it's an anachronism that three races in five weeks when horses train and race so infrequently but that said, here we are with this schedule this year, and I think it makes the Triple Crown harder to win because many of the best horses are going to run all three races. As a matter of fact, uh, Tis the Law won the Belmont Stakes. Yes. He is by far the favorite here in the Kentucky Derby. If he wins that, when he gets to Baltimore for the Preakness, which is on October the 3rd, by the way, he might be facing, among others, the winner of the Kentucky Oaks, if that winner happens to be the overwhelming favorite there, Gamine. It is very possible that Bob Baffert may wheel her back to face Tis the Law in the Preakness. I don't think he would have done that had the races been run as they typically are. Right, exactly. And look, usually the most dangerous race is the Belmont because, you know, there are horses that have been held out Right, and they they have rest. This is you're right. Everybody's going to be rested. When you watch Tis the Law at the Belmont, what did you think of that trip? Everything this horse has done reminds me of American Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. He has just trained and raced and presented himself on the track as perfectly as you could possibly draw it up, and nothing seems to phase him either. No matter whether you try to attack him out of the gate or he gets left at the gate, which he did uh, earlier this year, and he just walked out of the gate, it doesn't matter. There's almost nothing you can throw at this horse that will phase him. Oh, by the way, one thing that won't be bothering him is the crowd. Obviously, there is no crowd, and you may laugh at that, but remember last year when maximum security seemed like he was headed to a derby win, but he got spooked by something in the infield, whether it was a noise or a camera flash, and was disqualified for veering out of his path. So that won't even be there to bother Tis the Law this year. So, you know, it just seems like everything this horse does reminds me of American Pharaoh. He is absolutely perfect. Now, American Pharaoh didn't win every race he entered, and this horse hasn't either. He has uh, finished third once, but he just presents himself perfectly. Uh, what about the post position at 17? Uh, I normally, actually, to be honest with you, I normally think that's a pretty smooth trip because you're not really in traffic as opposed to starting at 8 or 9. Yeah, I agree. And although no derby winner has ever come from the 17 post, the horses to his right out of the gate, authentic, is a speed horse. Yep. 
uh, the horse two to his left, or three to his, two to his left, New York traffic right. is a speed horse. Right. And so he's just going to get on the highway and sit right behind them and follow them and get over to the three or four path by the time the horse has reached the first turn, at which point he should be clear of all that traffic, and then he will just inhale them when they go around the final turn. You mentioned uh, Authentic, who's won three of his last four races. Uh, they're all on dirt, right, which is good. Uh, give, give me an idea of what kind of threat Authentic is. He is a threat, and you always have to respect Bob Baffert's horses. And <laughs> yeah. you know, But I don't know that this horse is a mile-and-a-quarter horse. I think he's more of a miler, maybe a mile-and-an-eighth. Doesn't sound like a big dis- a difference, but at this level, at the top level, it is. And Authentic was lollygagging at the end of his last race, which he won, the Haskell Invitational, mm-hmm. and New York traffic came looked hopelessly beaten even at the 16th pole, and all of a sudden, here he comes, and another jump or two, and he would have gotten there. Maybe that was authentic just playing around, or maybe he's really not a mile-and-a-quarter horse. I tend to believe there was a little bit of both in there, and so while I think there will be better days for this horse, I don't know that Saturday is one of them. And by the way, this has a this has a deep Penn State connection in there for everybody out there because Barkley Tag is the trainer of Tis the Law, and he is a Penn State graduate. So that's just so everyone knows here that uh, there is that connection because Barkley Tag is one of those outstanding trainers that you know maybe you're not going to mention the same uh, sentences Bafford and Lucas but he's well respected well if he uh, if he wins both the Derby and the Preakness Barkley Tag will then have won five of the six triple crown races he entered because yep. he won the Derby and Preakness with Funnyside back in 2003 and finished third in the Belmont on the wettest day I have ever spent in my <laughs> life at Belmont Park yeah uh, what about Honor AP in the 16 hole? I mean, all the, all the single-digit horses on the board are 16, 17, and 18 in the gate. And, and I think it was something like an 800-to-1 odds that that would happen. Amazing. That the three favorites would be in the three outside posts. Honor AP, if you look at him on the track, and he is the winner of the Santa Anita Derby mm-hmm. in June when the racing really commenced again after the pandemic – he is a big horse with a huge backside. And, of course, that's where his power comes from. Right. He he just carries a lot of flesh. Now, for you and I, Steve, we carry a lot of flesh. That's not a good thing. <laughs> that's right. When a horse carries flesh, that is a good thing. That means he's strong and muscular and ready to go. And Honor AP carries a, a lot of flesh. He has a very high manner to him. Like, in other words, he doesn't put his head down, get low to the ground, and run. Yeah. He's up in the air a little bit. And I don't know how great that is, but that that's just him. That's just how he runs. If you watch him on Saturday, uh, he has a big powerhouse, though, on, on his backside. He's huge. And he will definitely be a threat, especially with Mike Smith, who won the yeah. Triple Crown two years ago with Justify, the best jockey in the country. I definitely think he has a chance. I, I just don't know that he's good enough to beat Tis the Law. And by the way, this is a slice of trivia, but of all the years, the Derby's the longest of the Triple Crown races this year at a mile and it a quarter. It is this year. Yeah, it is this year. And the horses have run a mile and a quarter. Tis the Law ran a mile and a quarter at the Travers. So, I mean, th- th- this is not an unknown distance to these horses. There are so many 
ways you that that handicappers handicap the derby and all of those trends just have to go out the window because we're not running the race in may and the horses are much more developed and for those who don't understand horses in may of their april may of their three-year-old year are like teenagers Mm -hmm. like you know taking a high school kid and putting him on the penn state football team (laughs) when you get to september they're seniors in college Mm -hmm. they're ready for the parents and the flowers so there's a big difference between running in May and running in September. Uh, every other horse on here is a double digit on the board with thousand words at fifteen to one, and King uh, Guillermo's at twenty to one. Most of these others are fifty to ones. In that, in this grouping, fifteen out of the eighteen they're double digits. I know you mentioned New York traffic, so let's take that one off the board for a moment because you did specifically talk about that. What about the other horse? Anybody in here? You sit back and go, "Hey, if you're going to box something, throw this horse in there." I would take a look at a couple of them, Steve. Number one would be um, King Guillermo, who was owned by mm-hmm. a former Major League Baseball all-star, Victor Martinez. Oh, sure. Played yeah. for Cleveland and Detroit. I'm sure you remember him. V-Mart. Uh, the, it, he won, right. The, uh, the horse won the Tampa Bay Derby in March, and the thought was that he was going to go right to Kentucky from there. And they ran him in May, but he hasn't run since then. So we're talking about a 90-plus day layoff the longest layoff for any derby winner ever was 42 days mm-hmm. so is he fit enough is he ready enough is he battle tested enough to do this but he is certainly capable he won the tampa bay derby off a layoff so it's not like he can't do it i would take a look at him i would also take a look at max player for steve asmus and going from the mm-hmm. two and the two post won't bother him because he's a closer he's going to let all of that the, the mess in front of him develop, and he will come running late. He was transferred recently to the barn of Steve Asmussen. Steve Asmussen is one of the all-time winningest trainers ever at Churchill Downs, a Hall of Famer, number two overall in wins, period, in North America. And I think he will have Max Player tightened up for this race. And with the weather being perfect on Saturday, a fast track, he has a chance to come running late. And the other one I would take a look at is Money Moves. Number seven for Todd Pletcher, who he entered very late when there were a couple of defections, including Art Collector. Art Collector was a horse that was thought to be a challenger to Tis the Law. Mm -hmm. When he went out, Todd Pletcher entered money moves, and this horse is sneaky good. Again, I don't know if he, I don't think he beats Tis the Law, but if you're talking about horses coming in underneath at a price, I would take a look at money moves. Uh, usually, uh, to me, you get to the lead. You want to you want to play with the lead. I don't care if it's a game or even in a horse race. Uh, so, about what point does Tis the Law need to get to the lead if Tis the Law is going to be the horse that wins it? That's a good question. The Derby, I think, especially because there are so many horses in it, much more than most other races in North America. Right. You really can't win this race coming from way back in the final furlong. The move usually happens somewhere in the middle of the race. You want to be fourth or fifth as you go around the final turn. So I think Tis the Law is going to end up sitting third or fourth until the the entrance to the turn, and then it's going to be up to his jockey, Manny Franco, who is twice the leading rider in New York, and of course New York is a very competitive jockey colony, so even though Manny Franco hasn't won a Triple Crown race, he's more than capable. He just has to see whether the traffic's coming from behind him. Who's he got to worry about before he pushes the button on Tis the Law? 
So I, you can't make that assessment until you actually get into the, the race. Do you have to start him hard going into the final turn? Can you wait until the midpoint of the final turn? The midpoint of the final turn, you're talking about three-eighths of a mile. Yep. That's about how long a horse can give you everything he has. So you don't want to push it before then. But you also don't want other horses getting the jump on you and leave your horse with too much to do. You, lo- you can't know that till you're in there. And you're, if you're, to me, if you're in the three to five range in the backstretch, I think that helps then set up your final two turns for what you want to Right, do. but there was a race that happened at Del Mar a couple of weeks ago yeah. where the best horse was maybe seven or eight lengths out. There was a horse maybe three lengths in front of him, and that horse took off around the turn. The favorite waited a little bit, wanting to really save his energy for the end, and he ran out of time. <laughs> he misjudged it. Yep. So, I mean, that can happen. And so yes. Manny Franco has to judge how far do I have to, you know, how far can I go before I push the button? But with this horse, I don't think that's going to be a problem. He is that good. You're always terrific. I always enjoy these conversations very much about uh, one of the great events going, and that is the Triple Crown and especially the Derby. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Barry. A pleasure, Steve. Thank you. Yeah, he does a great job, Barry Abram. Uh, we're going to have Dick Girardi on later in the week, by the way. He'll be on in later in the week to get his feel for the Derby. Already, the jacket and tie, a.k.a. <clears throat> the suit. This race is keeping him alive with a reason to live. He had the Indy 500. Marco just crossed the finish line about two hours ago. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) And now the Derby? Now, Now the Derby and then next Friday night, high school football. With fans, maybe now. Uh, could be two fifty. Could be two fifty, which to me, um, you start with the band, then you get to the parents. I don't want the band to be denied, you know. I don't want the fa- parents to be denied either. I don't want the parents to be denied. I hope that two fifty means fans and doesn't include participants. All right. But hopefully fans mean all the parents can go, and I hope it means the band can go. You know, band cheerleaders. You know, because, look, cheerleaders work you know, their entire life because they want to have a senior year like this. Same thing with the band. So, try to think about their full and complete experience. That's what this show is about, a full and complete experience. That's why we give you the king, why Matt's here. We'll talk about serious sports, and then we'll intertwine the rather bizarre world of the suit, along with Mr. 1.7. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right. One of the biggest grad transfers of the offseason was Jamie Newman going from Wake Forest to Georgia as a quarterback. 
He announced today he's opting out. Threw for over 2,800 yards and 26 touchdowns as a junior at Wake Forest last season. He enrolled in January as a grad transfer at Georgia. This now means that USC transfer JT Daniels is in line to be the starter against Arkansas, or as uh, the suit said, Arkansas. I get do you worry the way I do? I worry about him. Sometimes, yes. I mean, I was talking to him one day, and he says, boy, it really gets hot in Pahonix. I'm like, what? Pahonix? What the hell are you talking about? He goes, and for earlier, I was talking about Phoenix. It's like, I, I, he scares me. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to have to go and talk to every single client and say, I did not say Pahonix. <laughs> I never have. <laughs> I called it Phonics. No, just kidding. <laughs> but Jamie Newman's opted out. That means uh, JT Daniels, the USC transfer, is in line to be the start against Arkansas September 26th. Wow. It's big news. Part of what you're going to see, and this is an interesting article I think that Dennis Dodd has done on CBS Sports about the eight, the influence that some agents may have on players opting out, and not for COVID, just opt out. I mean, Kenneth Gamewell, Memphis is going to play Arkansas State Saturday night at 8. Kenneth Gamewell up here, hey, I can't wait to watch him. Well, you're not going to watch him. He opted out. Fifty-five Power Five players have opted out. Twenty-two of them are from the Big Ten and Pac-12. 